Today's the day, y'all. It is draft day. About 6 o'clock central, the draft will kick off. Vikings are at 12. Let's cram anything you could have missed listening to this show for the last, like, six weeks or so. It is the cram episode of the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day, each and every day. Today is draft day. Now look, I am going to guess that there's a handful of you all that haven't been listening religiously for the last six weeks. No problem there. Let's review. So if you have been listening for the last six weeks, this is going to kind of reiterate a lot of stuff, but I also am going to update some things. There are some takes I said that I sort of have updated or, or amended, changed my mind on some things, of course. Um, and so we'll go over the draft class, the board, who is going to be there, trading up, trading down, all that stuff, where I'm at. And um, hopefully that will leave you feeling a little more prepared for the actual night. So tonight, the draft is on, starts at 7 Central. Come here to the YouTube channel at 7 Central when the draft starts, and I will be live. I'm not going to be streaming it. I'm not going to do any graphics or guests or music or anything fancy or anything like that. It's just going to be me in the chat watching the draft together. Um, So if you're interested in that, come get it, and I will be there until the Vikings pick at which point I will run off to the Locked On NFL dra- li- live draft show, which you should also have on. That will have the Locked On NFL draft guys and a whole bunch of Locked On hosts, and every time a team picks, we'll come on and talk about our team's pick. So I'll run off to that, and then I got articles and stuff to do. So come to the channel at 7 p.m. Central when the draft starts, and we'll react to how the board starts falling, and I'll analyze it live with you guys. But we'll just chit-chat, be re- super informal. That's the plan for draft night for the show. And then if you missed it, um, I'll also have a podcast up tomorrow morning recapping whatever the pick is and then another podcast up on Saturday morning recapping day two and so on. We're going to do podcasts every single morning of the draft here, including one on uh, Sunday morning and Monday morning uh, recapping like day three and, and the undrafted guys. Okay, shilling out of the way. Let's talk about the draft here. So I am basically targeting this at somebody who is just tuning in tonight and hasn't really seen anything in the draft before, doesn't really know what we're talking about or or who anybody is and needs to kind of know, okay, what what should I be rooting for here, right? Oh my God, the draft was tonight. I didn't even know who's out there. This is for you. So the Vikings' major need is cornerback. Um, The only actually good cornerback they have is Patrick Peterson, and even that's debatable, and he might be too old now. Cameron Dantzler got really high PFF grades, but was a problem in plenty of games, busted a bunch of coverages and stuff. They have a huge, huge, huge problem at corner. They probably walk out of this draft with two people, one starter and maybe one, like, competition guy. Um, They also have, like, Chandon Sullivan as the nickel corner. Like, it is a really, really bleak group. So corner is, like, the 1A priority. That said... 
they weren't priced into it because they could technically limp into into a season with Peterson and Dantzler and Sullivan being their corners. That wouldn't they have fielded worse groups in the last couple of years. Um, so if somebody fell, they could take somebody. There's been a lot of debate about should they take a wide receiver or not. I call it a want and not a need. That'll be the first thing we talk about here. There are wants and there are needs. Cornerback is a need. If you don't have a better cornerback group, it's going to be a problem. And it's a problem you might have to deal with. And again. Sometimes teams have problems, but if you don't do it, you'll be punished for that. And it's, and so the player you take instead has to be worth eating that hit at quarterback. So you have to be really, really, really excited about a wide receiver or so. Personally, I am not excited enough about any of these wide receivers. A lot of people disagree with me and they want to go for the three deep thing. A lot of people that I think like became Vikings fans around the Moss Carter Reed era want to replicate that. And uh, I'm not going to blame them. That was awesome. I would love to do it again. Probably the second biggest need is edge rusher. Um, even though they signed Zadarius Smith in the offseason, he's 30, um, so he won't be around forever, and it's more of a future need. Both he and Daniel Hunter have back injuries that could re-aggravate kind of at any moment in very similar fashions. So depth is really important, and starting DJ Wanham is a disaster that cannot be replicated. We cannot allow that to happen again, and it's still kind of bewildering that the Vikings let that happen on purpose. Um... <laughs> So edge rusher is a big one, and this particular class is really, really thick at the top at both of those positions, at corner and edge rusher. So if the Vikings don't go for a corner or an edge rusher, it either means somebody fell like crazy, or there's been a trade that kind of changes the dynamic and, and who's on the board and stuff. Now, the way I do big boards, and I talked about this um, in an article that came out yesterday, the way I do big boards is maybe a little different than what you're used to seeing. If you are used to reading draft analysts, um, you know, stuff like PFF or Dane Brugler or Jordan Reed, um, they will rank all the players, right? They're just one player, one player, two player, three player, four. You can kind of figure out, okay, you know, quarter one quarterback is player six, one quarterback is player 15. So that's QB one, that's QB two and blah, blah, blah. Um, I like to lay it out horizontally by position that way. And further, I like to tier it. And instead of saying, this is my QB1, I'm saying, would I pick this guy at 12? And it helps me to differentiate and actually sort of develop draft strategy um, in a way that's a little more salient and helps me feel more prepared for when they do what they're going to do in the draft. I can look up and say, okay, how would I have felt about that before my favorite team did it? And you can sort of guard against a bias that way. For example, I've said this, uh, I'll, I'll kind of use this as an example a lot. I don't love the wide receivers in this class. A lot of people are really, really high on Jamison Williams. I'm worried about his durability. He's got an ACL injury. He's an Alabama wide receiver. Um, and he transferred out of Ohio State to go to Alabama where they had a lot less talent, where he could kind of shine a little bit more. Ohio State has two possible first-round receivers in Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, uh, who also have, I kind of have problems with those guys. A lot of these receivers are very lean and small, and I have durability concerns with that, but there's a lot of really dynamic athletes and playmakers. None of these guys are Justin Jefferson, though. None of these guys are, you know, C.D. Lambs coming out, where you're like, this dude just, like, tore the world apart. Um, and, you know, I have to have him at all costs. I don't see a lot of focal points of the offense. I see two, and that's Jamison Williams and Garrett Wilson. That can be the focal point of the offense, and that's assuming Jamison Williams is healthy, so I kind of have to bump him down the board a little bit that way too. So what it comes out with is I don't want to take any of these wide receivers at 12. We trade down, I'm happy with it, we can do that, but I need to eke a little bit of extra value out of these guys because I'm just not high enough on them. So my wide receiver one is Jamison Williams. My cornerback one is Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Sauce Gardner... I think is the best player in this draft. 
Um, I think he is absolutely flawless. I think he's a superstar in the waiting, and you don't have to do basically anything to to get him there. I think he walks right into camp, and he's like just a top 10 corner in the league. Um, I would trade up for him pretty aggressively, actually. I would probably give up my first... Um, I'd definitely give up my first and my third. I might even give up like a first and a, a, a second this year or even a second next year or something like that. I would trade up really, really aggressively for Sauce Gardner if he happened to fall within striking distance. Um, I don't know if the Vikings agree, but that's what I would do. So my CB one, I'm, I feel way different about than my wide receiver one. And laying out the horizontal board this way helps me kind of visualize and, and look through it. And for YouTube, it's... Uh, been on the board this this entire time, so hopefully people will be able to kind of look around. Um, pause the video if you have to. I want to talk about some of these classes individually, specifically the corners, the edges, and the wide receivers. Um, I want to talk about the safeties too, so maybe like D-backs, edges, wide receivers. Um, and I'll just give you like a really, really, really quick rundown. I've talked about them all in a lot more depth in previous episodes, so if you're really cramming, go dig those up. Um, yesterday I talked to corners, I talked about the wide receivers a few weeks ago, edges last week. So look, I am here for you. If you're the kind of person you're like me and you wait until the last minute to do things, this is the episode for you. We'll get you all set up. But if you also are that person, allow me to remind you that Mother's Day is coming up and I have exactly the place you can go to do something special and everlasting for your lovely mothers or mother-in-laws, grandmothers, wife, girlfriend, whoever you are going to be celebrating. Do it with something eternal, something enduring, something like diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more. You can find all that stuff at BlueNile.com. This Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Locked On Vikings listeners get 50 bucks off of a $500 of their purchase. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day, though, so get on it. Use code LOCKEDON, that's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. So the rest of this show is just going to be me kind of going over the landscape of the board and how I see it, um, and then that hopefully will give you sort of a sense for... Um, how trades up and down will work and stuff. You know, I see a ton of really good fourth round centers, for for example, guys that I think like there, there's, I guess maybe there's too many third round centers is the way to do it. And that many centers and guards won't go in the third round. Some of them will be available in the fourth round. And that's how you glean value out of the draft. It's not about being more correct on prospects than everybody else. It's about finding those sort of uh, cliffs of talent and figuring out, when will there's just too many people? I think there's too many second round players um, and too many third round players. And so in the third round, there's going to be second round players left. And in the fourth round, there's going to be third round players left. And then I think it dries off really, really fast. So acquiring a fourth round pick would be super sick. I think fourth round picks are particularly valuable here. Um, sucks. We don't have one. Chris Herndon trade. Uh, but certain trades down, you can get one back or trade a fifth rounder up. That kind of thing um, would be more efficient than it usually is. Um, so we'll talk more about all those guys though, tomorrow when day two is kind of more in the forefront, let's focus on the first round guys. And so let's focus on the corners. I talked about the corners yesterday. If you listen to that episode, I'm just going to kind of recap it real quick. My favorite corner in this draft is sauce Gardner. He has a completely impeccable, uh, evaluation. He's, he's just unblemished. It's unbelievably good. 
Um, and he's really, really smart. He's got all the perfect traits and athleticisms that you could ever want. He's already put it all together and he's got really refined technique and he knows what he's looking at and he's got the right attitude. Like, I, I just, I love it. Um, the next guy on my list is Derek Stingley, who has been mocked to the Vikings incessantly pretty much this entire process. Um, Derek Stingley is an LSU corner who had at insane freshman tape, better freshman tape than the Sauce Gardner tape I'm so excited about. Um, and then in 2020, LSU only played like three games. Some people say he was a little checked out. I think it was more that he was playing through an injury. But either way, it's something that is going to knock some people off a little bit. Some people are going to be not quite as happy. And then in 2021, he was also dealing with an injury. So you've got medical flags. You've got does he care about it and stuff. Personally, I don't see the character issue when I watch that tape. Um, but I, to each their own, I guess. And I think that you're a lot more likely to get who he was as a freshman, which is a very patient corner who's very willing. He's athletic enough to sort of break on things really fast. And he's willing to sort of rely on that to wait for you to declare your thing. And then he'll be able to really efficiently catch up and, and react to it. Um, so wide receivers have to declare their routes and their releases and stuff before he'll do anything about it. And he doesn't bite on a lot of things. He's very, very, very uh, patient and he doesn't take the cheese a lot, you know. The next guy on my list, well, it's kind of two. It's Trent McDuffie and Kair Elam. I go back and forth on it, and I think it really depends on where McDuffie lands. Um, my deal on McDuffie, so he is the smartest corner we've seen come out in a long time. He's, he's very, very intelligent in how he reads. Um, the thing is, he's short and he didn't press, and I don't know if he can press. Um, he's got like short arms. There's a big arm length threshold conversation with him. I don't want to focus on it too much, um, but he's a smaller corner and is going to deal with all the problems that being a smaller corner has. Um, but he knows what he's looking at. He's got really good instincts. He's very, very, very fluid, really good choppy footwork, that kind of stuff. Um, and he played in a cover three system that I think sort of hid some of his best traits or it might've hit his weaknesses and we kind of don't know. And then the other guy here, Elam out of Florida is a much more prototypical boundary corner. And he's really, really good. I, I really like his tape and I like what he's put out there. He kind of famously locked down Jamison Williams in a, uh, a game against Alabama. Um, he's just so grabby that it's going to be a huge problem at the next level. And that's kind of bumping him from a high first rounder to a low first rounder. And then the other guy, this is my fifth first round corner. I go back and forth on if he's a first rounder or a second rounder, but I think he should be like somewhere in the low thirties, whether it's 32 or 33, like I don't care, uh, is Andrew Booth out of Clemson, who I think is a very good corner. Like, I think he absolutely is a starter right away. He's just very, very reckless. So you have a, an unquestionably good corner in sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, a very patient corner that has this weird thing where he hasn't been good for two years. Um, but he was so good as a freshman and there are very good excuses for those two years. So it's something you kind of have to think through. You have Trent McDuffie, who is small, but very smart and very technically refined. You have Kair Elam, who's good, but he's grabby. And then you have Andrew Booth, who's also very good, extremely aggressive for all the good and the bad of it. Um, those are your corners. I also talked yesterday about Kyler Gordon, the other Washington corner. If you want to know more about all of those guys, listen to yesterday's episode. I went into a lot more depth there. Um, but the Vikings probably end up with one of those guys. So sauce, I would trade out for, I said Stingley, I would take at 12. The other three, I would love if they traded down. So this is a great year for me to trade down. Let's say there's a quarterback on the board that the Pittsburgh Steelers want trade down to 20. Um, there's been rumors about a trade down with the chargers who are at 17, go somewhere in there and then pick whichever one of these corners is left. Um, and pick up something else, you know, pick up an extra third, pick up an extra fourth, get a little bit more to help the, the crippling depth issues that really doomed the Vikings last year. They didn't have the depth to withstand like any injuries. It was a famously top heavy roster. Zimmer even called it top heavy. 
before the season. And it's like, yep, that, that ended up kind of being the thing where they didn't have the backups to survive. And then they lost four of six down the stretch when, um, when games mattered. There's also the edges and the wide receivers. And I want to definitely talk about all those guys. But first, let me talk to you about grambling on this draft. You can gramble on it. You can go bet on who is going to be number one overall pick. I believe Trevon Walker has become like a really heavy favorite. And I think the reporting is that he's going to be the pick. So I don't know if there's much money to be made there. Uh, but you can always bet on who the second overall pick will be, which right now is Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. And we don't really know. Um, that's So if you think you know who the Lions are going to take, go for it. Um, if you think they're going to take Malik Willis, there's money to be made. Bet on all of that stuff. You can also bet on like hockey or, or uh, basketball playoffs. You can bet on uh, just about anything you can find on there. Even play your favorite Vegas casino games. That is at Bet Online. You can do player props or draft props, as it were. You can bet live in the middle of games. You know, bet to see if that team's going to make a comeback on halftime. At halftime, um, you can just go explore. There's all, all kinds of fun, fun props and stuff at Bet Online, where the game starts. Once again, 7 Central, come to this YouTube channel and let's talk about how the draft is falling. We'll chit-chat about it live. Super informal thing. Super excited about it. Let me continue and talk about the rest of this class and kind of some of the odds and ends around it. So the edge rushers are insane. There's a decent chance that the top three picks are all edge rushers and uh, maybe even the top four. Travon Walker sounds like he's going to be number one overall pick unless it's all like really good smoke. Kayvon Thibodeau out of uh, Oregon has been a, a talker for number one overall since last draft. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan is also a really big one. These guys all probably are out of reach for the Vikings. Um, and then you have guys like Jermaine Johnson out of FSU. There's some steam about him going to the Jets. I don't know whether to believe it or not, but that's the reporting out of Jets world. Um, and then George Karlaftis out of uh, out of Purdue. You've got Boye Mafe, a Minnesota Gopher in there. Um, and a whole bunch of other people, Arnold Ebiketti, David Ajabo, the other Michigan guy, Drake Jackson. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of edge rushers. I really like the edge rushers. I kind of like taking whoever's there in, in round four. This is another one I would love to get a fourth round pick and take a random edge rusher to be a, a backup, a rotational guy, just kind of be a depth piece. But if you did end up with a guy like Travon Walker or Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia, those guys um, can kind of provide, they can be the third member of the 3-4 as Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith probably aren't going to be hand in the dirt base ends, but kind of that five tech, three tech thing, that Sheldon Richardson-esque role, um, you know, that interior pass rusher is what I've been calling it. There's a lot of guys for that. Um, but really, there are a couple of names that get brought up for the Vikings a little bit that I haven't talked too much about, Jordan Davis and Kyle Hamilton. Well, I talked a ton about Kyle Hamilton, did a whole episode deep diving Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton is a safety. My comparison to him is six foot four Harrison Smith. And I'm not just saying that because it's Notre Dame and because it'd be cool to have him play next to literal Harrison Smith. It's because their games are very, very similar. They're very versatile. They're very much do-it-all safeties. And that's why I think Kyle Hamilton's actually one of the most exciting players in the draft. He's one of the other players I would actually trade up for, along with Trevon Walker, who sounds like he's going to go one overall. Those are the three I would trade up for. Um, so if Kyle Hamilton is falling and you want to leapfrog Washington, go up to 10, I would do it. The reason Hamilton might fall is because he didn't run a great 40. He ran like a 4.59. I hear 4.7 everywhere. He ran a 4.59, which is fine speed. Um, and on tape, you can see that his speed is more than adequate. And it's more that he, he covers a lot of range because he reads the play really quickly and he breaks really early. So he can get to things further away because he sees them coming and he can get a head start on them. Um, in terms of Jordan Davis, he is a run-stuffing D-tackle that is... Insane. I mean, he he plays like Akeem Hicks down there. Like he's absolutely unreal. Um, plays like Vita Vea. Like got just total game wrecker. 
Um, and it turns out that Georgia coaches have been telling teams, hey, we kind of just didn't have him pass rush because of the way our pass rush is structured, but he could have, and he is really useful in the pass rush, just not as the guy going after the quarterback, not as the guy getting the sack, but he's really good at setting up stunts and, and doing stuff so he can be on the field, be part of the pass rush. My whole thing about him was that, I don't know, he's a two-down player. If that's not true, if he can be a three-down player and Georgia just happened to rotate him out for their own reasons, I'm way higher on him. I would actually take him at 12 if that were the case. I don't know if that's the case, and I'm keeping him in my, I would take him if we traded down and he were still there kind of range. Um, but he's very much a run guy with not a lot to show for it in the pass, um, and it's kind of a, a big mystery. And then that brings me to, um, there's there's Tyler Linderbaum, who has a, a profile alarmingly similar to me, like Garrett Bradbury's, um, where he's a very undersized center. He kind of struggles with powerful nose tackles, but he's so insane in the run game, so insane at reach blocks and climbing up, finding guys at the next level to the point where he's not just a contributor to the run game, he's a weapon himself in it. Um, and that is kind of what you're drafting there. He projects to go like way later though. Like people are mocking him in the late twenties or even the thirties. Um, so unless you trade way, way, way down, he's probably not in the conversation, but Hey, if you're looking to replace Garrett Bradbury with another Garrett Bradbury, but maybe this one works out, that's pretty much what that pick would be. Um, I talked in a lot more detail and wrote an article about that as well. So again, go find an old episode if you're more interested. Um, and then as for the wide receivers, I talked about Jamison Williams. People get shades of Randy Moss from him. And, and, and chill out, chill out. There's only one Randy Moss. <laughs> but I'm not saying he's as good as Randy Moss. Nobody is. But uh, he has that. You remember how Randy Moss would have that that like gallopy kind of lopy stride? And it looked like it took him about three steps to get 20 yards down the field. Jamison Williams kind of has that. And he also has the very nuanced route running where he has a long stride. He kind of knows how to use that to set things up. And his route running is very polished and complete. And it's very deceptive already. And so he really projects well to be a good guy. It, it's just that he's small for a wide receiver to the point where there's a durability concern and he's coming off an ACL. So good luck. Um, that's really where Jamison Williams loses me. But he doesn't really lose me. I would take him late in the first. I just don't know if I love him at 12. And then the only other guy I like in the first is Garrett Wilson, who has, uh, I think of him as more of a Stefan Diggsy-esque type receiver, but not as good, um, that can't like make contested catches. The, what, part of Stefan Diggs was that he played like a shifty slot, but then he had a catch radi radius, like he was six foot four. Um, and Garrett Wilson just kind of has the first part. Not that I think he should necessarily has to be a slot or anything. Um, he just kind of is not as complete a receiver, but it's in that same mold. It's the vibe. I get the flavor, if you will, but maybe just a diluted version of the flavor. Um, there are a whole bunch of other receivers that people are super into. Chris Olave, the other one is very all around, very jack of all trades, master of none. Doesn't have a lot of explosive athleticism, so he seems like a wide receiver too to me. Be super happy with him at 46. Um, Traylon Burks, who was sort of the focal point of the Arkansas offense. I actually have him above Olave. He totally bombed his combine. He plays kind of big. People are saying he has to be like a Debo Samuel to make it in the league. You kind of have to make him run the ball or something to use his size because he doesn't have the speed. I kind of feel like he his his combine might have um, might have been a bit of a lie. I think he plays a little more athletic than he tested, but that can be a red flag too because like did he screw up the preparation? Um, like with Kyle Hamilton. Part of the reason his 40 went so bad is because he got out of the blocks poorly and he actually drifted. So he ran the 45-yard dash because he didn't run it on a perfectly straight line. That's not necessarily the kind of thing that projects to the pros very much. So, you know, look beyond just the numbers. 
Um, there's guys like Christian Watson out of NDSU, Drake London out of USC, who gives me a very treadwell vibe. vibe. Um, there are a lot of really bad throws to him, and so it created a lot of contested catches. So he's really good at contested catches, but he doesn't separate very well, um, even beyond that. Like, his separation it leaves a lot to be desired. He doesn't separate, like, often. He's not an always open kind of guy. Um, so I worry about him. I have him as a third-round guy. A lot of He might be the first wideout off the board. I am, like, a super not a fan. And then I guess I should talk a little bit about the quarterbacks. So Malik Willis probably goes before the Vikings are. He's a Liberty quarterback. He's very, very toolsy, probably needs a year. Um, but he's kind of, everybody else in the class just sort of blows. So he's going to go in the top 10. It's going to be a bit of a Jared Goff situation. Um, so he's going to go, I don't think he makes it past pick six, whether that's the Panthers or somebody trading up with the Panthers or somebody trading past the Panthers. Um, I, I don't think he makes it past pick six. If he did make it to 12 for whatever it's worth, I would actually be super stoked to draft him because he can sit, learn behind Kirk Cousins, become the heir apparent to Kirk Cousins. Um, and then you can kind of get that rookie deal thing, or at least two years of it after Kirk Cousins' his deal expires. And in 2024, you've got Malik Willis with two years of cooking on him. Um, and then hopefully he can be a better guy and we might have a franchise quarterback there. Like that is absolutely a path that I can see turning into a true blue franchise quarterback because he'll have so much time to learn and develop and, and get rid of some of the habits. I'm, I'm a little fuzzier on the quarterbacks because the Vikings extended a quarterback to a thir- to 30 million plus a year. So I don't think they're taking one in the first round. But Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati is also like super toolsy, but even more raw. And then there's Kenny Pickett, who is not very toolsy at all. Uh, but he's got a little bit of gamer in him. I, a lot of people, have, I feel like I've seen him comped to like Case Keenum a little bit where he doesn't have ability. He's just like kind of all grit. Um, and that, hey, that won the ACC. So he's maybe a guy. All, those guys could all go in the first. You may have seen, if you're online a lot, you may have seen a Sam Howell rumor. That's mostly jokes. There's not truth to that. Don't worry about it. And also Sam Howell. I have him as like a fourth round guy. We don't need to talk about him yet. That's roughly the board. Uh, at the positions that matter to the Vikings. There are a lot of other players that could happen. Um, you know, there's tackles or linemen. I didn't really talk about like Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green. If you're into a guard, those are your two names. I didn't really talk about like the off-ball linebackers. The other, every linebacker from Georgia is going to be drafted in probably the first like 75 picks this year. Um, and that's kind of insane as well as, uh, you know, guys like Leo Chanel and, um, Christian Harris out of Alabama. And yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys that might go a little higher, uh, as, as off ball linebackers. If you're looking for your Kendricks era parent, that's there, but really here's what I think happens. I think if sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, or Kyle Hamilton is on the board at 12, I think the Vikings should slam it. And I kind of think they will slam it. I, I think that's, those are all the kinds of guys that, um, listening to what at least little we know about Quasi seems like that would be the thing, and it fills a pretty stark need. Um, they could also take somebody like Jamison Williams that's been rumored a little bit, um, or they could take like an edge rusher if they're into it. You know, if, if Kayvon Thibodeau falls, like just do it, right? I think more likely you're going to get a trade down and all the smoke from other fan bases and other like beats too. Like it's not just Vikings beats. It's like, yeah, the Chargers beat said the Vikings are a team that they might be targeting. And so did like the, I think the Cardinals beat were like, yeah, and we talked to the the Vikings a lot. And the Steelers have talked to the Vikings a lot. So it seems like the Vikings are trying really, really hard to trade down. And if they can trade down in this draft, pick around the twenties, get your cut, your Elam or your Lewis senior Dax Hill are two first round safeties that I have. Um, or get your, you know, your Jordan Davis pick Garrett Wilson down there or something that might be what happens. And then you have like an extra third round pick and you can use that capital to, um, you know, grab a Kobe Bryant or grab as a, a Cincinnati cornerback who I think would be really good, um, or grab somebody like, uh, a Logan Hall 
out of Houston, who's very position versatile, would be a great scheme fit for the Vikings and help kind of shore up that front. Um, and you would have extra capital where you can take picks that are a little bit more of a luxury. That would be what you can do. And then you can be like, screw it. Let's take a flyer on Carson Strong and see what happens. And you can kind of do the Kellen Mond thing again, but see if it works out better this time. Um, and then you also have Kellen Mond still cooking. So you have irons in the fire, you know, that's the kind of thing that um, seems like a really likely move. So I would say don't plan to go to bed as soon as pick 13 is on the clock. I think the Vikings trading down is a really likely thing. I think it's a very, very good idea. And whatever happens, I hope y'all will be with me on Locked On Vikings YouTube to watch it and then Locked On NFL YouTube to break it down. I will see you all on the flip side of this. Really, really exciting. Hopefully I'm freaking out and I'm super excited about who they got. Um, I will see you all tomorrow. And as always, especially Skull.